Let's open together God's word, that word that he fulfills, a word of mercy fulfilled in Jesus, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. The miracle is given us three times, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but let's read it in two of those places, Matthew 20 and Mark 10. Let's first read it from Matthew 20. Right at the end of the chapter, Jesus heals two blind men. Page 981 in your pew Bibles. Matthew 20, verse 29, And as they went out of Jericho, A great crowd followed him, and behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them. And said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. And then Mark 10. The end of the chapter again. We'll take in a bit of the context. Where James and John... They ask for the second and third highest positions in Jesus' kingdom, vice president and general secretary or something like that. And Jesus responds to their request. And by the way, it wasn't just James and John when the ten heard it. They began to be indignant at them. They they all wanted those two spots. And Jesus called them, verse 42 called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve And to give his life as a ransom for many. And now our text, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him 
on the way. This is God's word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, I like headings in the Bible narrative like this one, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. They can be helpful for reading the Bible, but there's also a downside to them. And that is they separate us sometimes from the context so that we read the miracle of the healing of blind Bartimaeus without really paying attention to what just happened before that or to what the Holy Spirit put right before that. What happened just before that? The disciples want to climb up to highest position. Jesus said, I didn't come for that. That's not what my kingdom's about. My kingdom is about climbing down, using your authority and power to climb down to the lowest position and serve. And then here's the demonstration, Bartimaeus. A shock to the disciples, let alone to the crowds. Oh, Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem, a highway of sorrows. He's going to the cross next week in the narrative. Next week, he's at the cross. He's crucified. He's going to serve our salvation. He's going to give his life as a ransom, as a payment. And that road runs through Jericho. And that road takes him down Bartimaeus' street. And then Zacchaeus' street. That's what we hope to look at next week. And what do you do with Jesus when he comes down your street? This servant who gives his life as a ransom for many. What do you do? The one who's so great is passing by. So strong and yet so kind. Ready to serve you. You better cry out. Don't let him pass you by. So we want to see that. This morning when Jesus comes down your street, your road, he hears you when you cry to him. He stops to save you. And he heals you so that you can follow him. Those are the three things we see here. He hears, he stops, he heals. An amazing miracle. That's what happens to Bartimaeus. He hears Jesus of Nazareth coming down his road. This is a chance of a lifetime for this blind beggar. He's not going to let it pass him by. Would you? Really? Sadly, sometimes Jesus is coming by our way. Oh, and we yawn. And we stay indoors. We say, there's nothing wrong with me. I really don't need that guy. He's a great guy, yeah, I'll be fine. He's coming down Zacchaeus' street too, by the way, and I can't think of two guys so opposite. A blind beggar, poor guy, and a wealthy thief. But they have two things in common. Number one, Jesus came down the road, and number two, they both needed him. And he heard their need. He saw their need. Now, there's some brush along this 
this road Jesus is traveling. It, it's the clutter of critics. And I want to take a few moments to clear away some of that brush. I wonder if you've ever heard of Bart Ehrman, E-H-R-M-A-N, once an evangelical New Testament scholar, still a New Testament scholar, but he's become an apostate. He decided the Bible wasn't trustworthy. He rejected his Christian faith completely. And now he goes on the authority, you should trust my criticism because I once used to be in the camp of those who believe it. So he carries a sort of extra, he feels authority and people listen to him. And this is one of the passages that he cites as proof that the Bible is not trustworthy. Because in Matthew, we read there's two blind men that Jesus heals at the side of the road. Neither of them is named. And Mark, there's one. And he's got a name, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Well, that, that can't agree, can it? And then in Matthew and Mark, the miracle happens as Jesus is leaving Jericho. And in Luke, it happens as he's entering Jericho. What? They both can't be right, can they? Egg on her face? Shame on you Bible-believing morons? Is that what we do with this? Not so fast, brothers and sisters. Because these accounts bear all the marks of being eyewitness accounts. Imagine if they all contain the same details, what would the critics do? They would cry foul. There's been collaboration. They made their stories agree. You can't, that wouldn't be credible evidence in a, in a court of law, would it? But when you read these accounts, each with their own freshness of eyewitness reporting, you know, they don't actually disagree. They just emphasize different angles as the Holy Spirit is preparing for us for Unique portraits of Christ that don't contradict, but they complement each other, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we have a complete word picture of Jesus. And there would be undoubtedly several blind beggars lining the road between Jerusalem and Jericho because that road was well-traveled. People loaded with goods to go sell them or loaded with money to go to Jerusalem to buy or coming home with goods they bought or with money that they have as they sold. So that was a common place to beg. And that there will be two together or one here and then one a little further and Matthew puts them together. But Mark is emphasizing one guy by name. It's the only miracle Mark talks about where he names the guy. Obviously this guy is known in the church. In that early church and so Mark names him. You know, the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, the name is significant for some reason. We don't know exactly why. And so they each emphasize two different things, but Mark doesn't say there was only one. He just names the guy that people must have known in his audience. But now how is it that Matthew and Mark say this miracle happens while Jesus is leaving Jericho and Luke while he's entering Jericho? That's a real gotcha, isn't it? They can't both be true. Well, the answer is, yes, they can both be true. Because we know it to be true both from history and from archaeology that there was an old Jericho, Israel's Jericho. But during the time of Herod the Great, 
He wanted to build a new Jericho right next to it, a little space in between, right next to it for wealthy people. And so the blind beggars are evidently between these two Jerichos. He's leaving one, he's entering the other, the rich Jericho, and there he finds these two guys. And it's no accident that he keeps going down the road into the rich Jericho and he meets Zacchaeus, right? These really complement one another. They don't contradict each other at all. The critics happen to be way too pumped to bash the Bible and don't allow it to speak for itself. And they require it to meet all their demands of 21st century scientific journalism. But the Holy Spirit didn't write it to meet man's demands. But to tell the truth and show the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ in snapshots that agree with each other. They complement each other. Okay, enough. Hopefully that's cleared some of the clutter along the road. But back to the story. There's Jesus with a large crowd of people slowly making his way down the road. And that leads from Jericho to Jerusalem for the Passover. Just a few days from being crucified. But the crowds don't see the crucifixion, the cross at all. They just can't wait to get to Jerusalem and crown him Lord. They've got festival fever Passover's coming, celebrations in the air, and the Messiah is with us. Bartimaeus has a different kind of excitement or fever inside him because as he's begging at the roadside, because he's blind and he can't make a living for himself and he needs bread or at least money to buy bread, Luke tells us he hears, bump, 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 the, the thumping of feet and he asks somebody what's the noise all about what's going on and and the passerby says Jesus of Nazareth is passing by he depended on others to be his eyes well obviously Bartimaeus has heard about this man named Jesus because he starts crying out to him calling him son of David from what he's heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, he believes that Jesus is the Messiah, David's son, who's coming to take the throne. He believes things like what God says in Isaiah 42 about Jesus. I am the Lord, says God. I've called you, he says of Jesus, the suffering servant. I've called you in righteousness. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out from the prison those who sit in darkness. So what, what Bartimaeus knows about Jesus of Nazareth, he's the son of David come to open the eyes of the blind and to take out of darkness those who are, 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 are sitting with closed eyes. That's for me. So he starts yelling as soon as the, the crowds come close. He begins to cry, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Think about that. Jesus is coming down my road. He must be coming for me. Is that what you do with the promises of the Bible? What Bartimaeus did? Here's what I know about son of David in the Old Testament. When I see what Jesus is doing, he's got to be that guy. He's coming. I know he's coming for me. You know, when it comes to the promises of God congregation, 
There's a lot of truth to that saying, put your name in there. Do you do that? When you read a promise of God in the Bible, when you read about a miracle, when you read about the ministry of Jesus, put your name in there and say, that's for me. He's coming down the road for me. Well, you say, well, I don't see him coming down the road. Jesus says, he who receives my messengers receives me. Every time you hear the word of God, Jesus is coming down your road. He's passing by. And you should say, that word is for me. That word is for me. It's exactly what Bartimaeus does in great faith. Well, the crowds were irritated by this beggar, obnoxious, rude. Because the Bible emphasizes he just keeps on yelling and yelling and yelling. This trash on the side of the road. This guy who's a nobody, has no value in society, and he's clamoring for attention from the messianic king, the son of David. We're on our way to Jerusalem to enthrone him. We got important stuff going on. Who does he think he is to get in the way? And they start yelling at him, verse 48, to shush up. It says there, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Poor blind Bart was met with a steady stream of hisses, boos, cheers, and shut-ups being thrown at him. Again, I'm challenged by this. Am I part of that crowd? Are you that gets in the way of people coming to Jesus? Do we ever discourage faith in others? Like these guys discourage Bartimaeus from coming. Do you ever think, I don't have time to bring this person to Jesus to share the gospel. This person's going to be way too much work. I mean, I got to have coffee with him. I got to walk with him through hardships. I got to sit with him in church. I got to forsake my circle of friends that, that I love to hang out with. I, I'm not ready for that investment. And we can get in the way of people coming to Jesus. Or we can be so self-absorbed that we take Jesus away from people because we don't pay attention to the needs of others. We're not eager to say to them, you got to meet a man who saved my soul. So if we're not keeping people from Jesus, often we're keeping Jesus from people. And we put a wall between the Savior and the needy. Maybe I do all things properly as a Christian should, but I have no zeal and no passion or excitement for Jesus. And so in that way, I just get in the way. And then I think of those guys in the crowd telling him to shut up because that's what they said. You might not like that word. That's what they were saying. I think that could be me. I think I need to cry for mercy. I think I need to cry for mercy too. But Bartimaeus has a different view of Jesus regardless of what the crowds are saying. He, he's blind. But he's a clearer view of Jesus than the crowds. He seems to have more faith than all of them put together. And though they're trying to keep him away, he just persists and even louder. 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 
son of David, have mercy on me. He sees him as a man full of mercy, a man of pity and compassion, just like the Bible says he is. He believes that. He sees Jesus as someone who will hear the the cry of, of, of the guy on the roadside needing roadside assistance. He believes that. He believes Psalm 72 that says Messiah is a king of mercy who defends the cause of the poor of the people, who gives deliverance to the children of the needy and crushes the oppressor, who delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper, who has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. He believes Psalm 146 that says the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord lifts up those that are bowed down. So I have every reason to call because he has promised he will hear and answer me. He's coming down your street today. He cares about your plight, brothers and sisters. He will hear your cry. Do you believe that? Whatever your ailment, do you trust him? Maybe you're not blind, but Jesus is not very particular about what's got you stuck on the side of the road. Maybe you're like Zacchaeus. It's greed and theft and love of wealth that's got you stuck in a hole in the ditch. Or maybe like the Samaritan woman, it's a life wrecked by foolish love and bad relationships. Or maybe it's sickness that's got you stuck in the ditch. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's a life of self-love addicted to having everything go your own way and not wanting anything to break your convenience. We're needy. And blindness in the Bible is a common metaphor for need. That's why it's here. Yeah, for somebody with real blindness, but for people with all kinds of needs. And regardless of what the crowds think, brothers and sisters, in your need, he's not disinterested in you, and he's not too busy for you, and he's not too important for you, and you're not too dirty or useless or too troubled or sinful for him. Psalm 34, this poor man cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Put your name in that promise. This poor man cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Then comes my favorite line, and Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped, verse 49. Roadside beggar, big crowds, all kinds of noise, burdened Jesus on the road to Calvary, so many important things to do. But he heard, he saw, and he stopped. For one man, for one needy man, one needy man crying out for mercy. He stopped and he will stop for you. He will stop for you. And Jesus said, call him, verse 49. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. I love the scene. Jesus calls for him. He commanded, says Luke, he commands the people to bring him over. So he throws off his coat and with a couple of guys leading him, he jumps up and he comes to Jesus. And again, we're 
challenged by his response to Jesus Christ. No shame, no fear of what other people are thinking. No pretense that he imagines he's not needy. Why do I sometimes hold back from answering his call, come to me? Because it's the most important trip I'll ever make. I'll buy plane tickets to travel all over the world while the most exciting and life-changing trip, an eternally significant trip coming to Jesus, I'll just put it in the background, defer it to a later date, make excuses, refuse it. Isn't it because often we don't have eyes to see a real need, brothers and sisters? We can lack self-awareness. Someone once bluntly asked blind and deaf Helen Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? And she answered, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing at all. It's easy to hang around Jesus without ever coming to him for mercy. Charles Colson, who went to prison in the Watergate scandal because of dirty politics and crimes, and then later became founder of Prison Fellowship, he described his conversion like this in his book, Born Again. That night when I sat all alone, my own sin, not just dirty politics, but the hatred and evil so deep inside me was shoved in front of my eyes. For the first time in my life, I felt unclean, and worst of all, I could not escape. Finally, I saw. He says, and in that moment of clarity, I found myself driven irresistibly into the arms of the living God. Do you have a moment of clarity about your need, brothers and sisters? It's driving you into the arms of the Lord Jesus. Alistair Begg says, Jesus is for us, for us a reality only when he's a necessity. So what will you do with the pain and the guilt and the hurt and the trouble you feel? Many try to carry it alone. They might lash out at others. They might get angry at God or just withdraw inside themselves and never lay their burden at the feet of Jesus. They know about Jesus, but they let him pass by when he comes down their road. It's very simple. What do I cry out? Have mercy on me, son of David. That's all. Cry it sincerely. Cry it with an openness to receive him and follow him. Cry out. Have mercy on me. While his heart must have been pounding wildly as he hurried over to Jesus, we see that thirdly, how Jesus healed. What would he do? How true is all that I've heard about Jesus? Will he come through for me? Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Tell me your need. What's on your heart? What, what a servant-like question. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Let me see again. Obviously, he had seen at one time, which made his blindness even more painful. Lord, I want to have my eyes back. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Or the word is saved. Your, 
Where does your faith has saved you? Not that faith has the power to save, but faith reaches out and becomes the means to which Jesus' power comes to you and saves you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to save us from our blindness of all different kinds and our needs of all varieties. And perhaps the greatest blindness was in those 12 disciples who were fighting to climb up in his kingdom. So Jesus saying to them, you got it totally wrong. My kingdom was about climbing down to serve. Do I see my need to learn to serve? That Jesus cares for the marginalized and the people that aren't important to me, are not important to me, that are seen as having not much value. And we need to say today, Lord, show me the blind spots in my life, the areas of need that are stopping me from serving you and leading others to Jesus. Because I've got these issues as well. I'm also stuck on the roadside needing roadside assistance. I also need the Lord Jesus. He's a servant to the needy. And he heals. And he saves. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And he didn't. He healed him. I love the ending. With new eyes, Bartimaeus joins the crowd of thronging worshipers to go to Jerusalem. Oh, can't imagine what he saw there with the crucifixion. I hope he didn't join the crowd yelling crucify because not everybody yelled crucify. But he was there apparently. And that road that goes to the cross also ends up in heaven. What a road to walk. Let us Enter that road, step on that road of servanthood, of serving Jesus and others by being served by Jesus in our needs. And let us say to others, take heart, he's calling you, amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you sent Jesus down to earth to walk down our road and to pass by so we could call out. Thank you, Jesus, for your compassion and mercy. You're abundant in grace. We pray that you will help us to see our need, the blind spots in our life, and give us a voice to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me in that full confidence that that is who you are. God of mercy and that is what you do you show mercy and so pick us up put us back on our feet and help us to follow you faithfully all the way to glory even through the suffering that must come in between thank you that you are a wonderful servant to the needy Jesus strong and kind amen